And looking at the Beatitudes, we actually have concluded our study of the Beatitudes themselves, but I'm going to continue on and look at some of the uh, following verses in Matthew chapter 5 that comes after the Beatitudes, and they are related to the material that's found in the Beatitudes themselves. Tonight we note that the world will seek to stamp out the influence of Christ's kingdom, but Christ's kingdom will overcome the world. Ultimately, it will triumph. God's truth will triumph. And yet, in the rebelliousness of an unsaved world, they try to stamp out Christ and anything that would be identified with him. (laughs) Last week, we saw that the world will seek to stamp out the influence of Christians by persecution, try to intimidate us into silence, intimidate us into uh, not speaking or living for Christ. This is nothing new. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who are before you. Uh, even a cursory reading of the Old Testament will give us account after account of the prophets, of godly individuals who went through all kinds of persecution for identifying with God. We must continue to be the salt and light of this world regardless of persecution. Jesus went on to say in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. So our theme tonight is that we should live our lives doing good deeds so that no one has a good reason for persecuting us, but rather <coughs> but rather should give praise and glory to God. 1 Peter 2.12 states, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. We're to see that there is a dichotomy there between what the pagans say about Christians and the manner in which Christians live. They're going to be evilly spoken of, but we're to continue in good deeds so that what they say is going to be manifestly proven to be false. That the accusations that they bring against us will see to be ingenuine. We put to silence foolish men by doing what is right. Our key verse tonight is Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So tonight we look at the two metaphors of the influence we are to have in this world. The one metaphor is salt and the other, other metaphor is light. Christians are the salt of the earth or the preserving influence of society. Matthew 5.13, you are the salt of the earth. There is a fundamental difference between Christians and non-Christians, between the church and the world. When he's speaking to the you, he's speaking to his disciples. We, the followers of Jesus Christ, are to be the salt of the earth. The effect of the Christians in the world is one of preservation. 
you're the salt of the earth. Certainly in our culture, in our time, in our society, uh, we are able to refrigerate meats. We can freeze meats so that uh, we don't need salt. And we are aware of a lot of other preservatives to keep meats and fruits and things from spoiling. But in the New Testament era, the primary use for salt was not just to add flavor to food, and it certainly did that, but it was a preventative uh, usage to keep meat from spoiling. And it's in that sense that we're to be the salt of the earth. We are to keep society from spoiling. We are to keep society from getting worse and worse. We're to be putting on the brakes. We are to be influencing this world for good. The effect of Christians in the world is one of preservation, salt of the earth. The Christian must bear his or her responsibility in being salt of the earth, meaning of the entire world. The Christians must attain their distinctiveness if they're going to preserve the world. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Uh, once salt loses its preserving influence, then all is lost. It can't gain it back, as it were. We must not lose our saltiness. We must not lose our distinctive essence in our culture. We can't be overrun by the attitudes, by the actions, by the demeanors, by the goals, by the desires of an ungodly world. We must maintain our distinction. E, when Christians lose their distinctiveness, they no longer preserve society. It's no longer good for anything. Salt, if it loses its saltiness, what good is it? And if as Christians, we merely live like the world. We adopt the world's standards. We adopt the world's behaviors. We adopt the world's attitudes. We adopt the world's goals. Then what good are we? What benefit is there? What voice does the church have? How is it useful for society? F. When Christians fail to preserve, be a preservative in society, their message is discarded and viewed to be worthless. In Matthew 5.13, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. Except to be thrown out. Society rejects Christianity when it is no longer distinctive. Uh, there again is this strange dichotomy. Society makes fun of ridicules Christians for their distinctiveness. But when that distinctiveness no longer is manifested, is no longer present, then society ultimately and finally rejects Christianity, rejects the truth, rejects what we have to say. Society will soundly crush Christianity when it is no longer distinctive and trampled by men. Uh, certainly that is one of the 
difficult periods of time in which we live. As I look at, I think of the Puritan era. And people love to ridicule, uh, excuse me, ridicule and mock the Puritans. But the Puritans certainly lived a very distinct and godly lifestyle. And so they were not crushed. They were not trampled. They were not just overwhelmed by society. But they had an incredibly uh, preserving influence in society. That's what we see in this passage. We are to be like the Puritans, distinct from the world, in such a way that we keep the world from going into greater sin. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, of course, was one of the American Puritans. And Jonathan Edwards is known as a great theologian. But uh, what some people may know or may not know is that Jonathan Edwards was finally kicked out of his church and uh, had to resign his pastorate. The people wouldn't endure him any longer. And one of the reasons, and probably the, the driving reason behind the people's rejection of Jonathan Edwards is because he stood in the pulpit and repeatedly, repeatedly spoke against what was then referred to as bundling. Bundling. Remember that uh, he uh, ministered in the New England states. And uh, in the time in which he ministered, there were no electric heaters and so on. And people slept together for warmth. Well, a lot of times when people were sleeping together for warmth, more went on this than sharing bodily heat. And so he... He called upon it, even though it was widely practiced in society. And at the time, even among Puritans, it was accepted. Jonathan Edwards says, no, we can't do that. We can't live like that. And he kept hammering it home to the point where they just finally said, we've had enough. You're done. You're done. Uh, They wouldn't listen to Jonathan Edwards any longer. Uh, Losing our salt. Losing our distinctive, being different from the world. Secondly, the people of God are to reveal God's truth by means of their good deeds, which brings conviction to an unbelieving world and glory to God the Father. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Light is a metaphor for bringing understanding and exposure. The function of light is to illumine darkness. Jesus himself is the ultimate light of the world. John 1, 4, in him, that is Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus brings understanding to a world of darkness. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Many people reject the light that Jesus brings. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds would be exposed. Those that want to live ungodly lives, don't want to hear about godliness, don't want to hear about a godly standard. However, some people will welcome the light, John 3.21. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. When Jesus again spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
again, light brings understanding. Then Jesus said to them, you're going to have the light just a little while longer. Talking about his, his death and departure from this world. You're going to have the light just a little bit longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he's going. Put your trust in the light while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking these words, note, Jesus left and hid himself from them. They rejected his truth, and so he hid himself from them. John twelve forty six. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Not only is Jesus the light of the world, but we as his followers become light also. Matthew 5.14 You are the light of the world. We are lesser lights, but we too are lights of the world. There is a sense in which as followers of Christ, we are light no matter what. Matthew 5.14 You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You're going to see it if it's there. All of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior are going to have light in this world to some degree. Uh, We are going to have an influence. We can have a great influence or we can have a minimal influence. But if we know Christ, it's inevitable that we'll have some influence. A city cannot be hidden. D. However, we should be very intentional in being the light of the world. People do not seek to hide a light, and we should not seek to hide our light. Matthew 5.15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You don't light a candle and then put something over it in order to hide the light. The purpose of lighting the candle is that it would give forth light. So too, we should not seek to hide our light, but let our light shine. And you probably all know the little chorus, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. The idea is that we are to be willing to identify with Jesus Christ wherever we are. We shouldn't try to hide the fact that we are disciples of his, that we are followers of his. We shouldn't try to live like the world, but we should live like the Lord Jesus Christ. So rather, we are to prominently display our light, Matthew 5.15. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, you let your light shine before men. Let your light shine before men. Three, the way that we manifest the light and also serve as salt in the earth is through our good deeds. Matthew 5, 16. The same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. It is the deeds which are both light and salt which stand in stark contrast to the world. It's our works. It's our activities. It is our doings. It is the way we go about living our life. That is both light and salt. It, one at the same time, preserves the world 
and at the same time shows forth the glory and power of God. It's our good deeds. A. It is in our good deeds that we're to be in clear contrast to the world. John 3.19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. We show that we love the light and we are part of the light when our deeds are not evil but good. We show people how to live. We show people how to worship. We show people the way to God. B, the non-believing world does not want to repent from its evil deeds. Everyone who does evil hates the light, will not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. That's why people commit crimes at night. They don't want their deeds to be exposed. They don't want them to be seen. Uh, They look for darkness. They try to hide under darkness. People don't want to sit under the teaching of the Word of God because it exposes their sin. It gives them no place to hide. They feel very uncomfortable because the Word of God begins to point out areas of life where people need to be changed. The people that don't want to change, the people that don't want to repent, repel, run away from it, try to get away from the light. Uh, In the time of uh, George Whitfield's preaching, George Whitfield would uh, most often preach in large open areas, in fields, and literally thousands of people would come to hear him. Sometimes he would uh, preach in uh, churches, and many of the churches that he would preach in uh, would uh, be two-story edifices, And the sanctuary was actually on the second floor. And as Jonathan Edwards would preach, excuse me, as George Whitfield would preach, people would actually jump out the window in order to get away from hearing what he had to say, in order to get away from the influence of God's word. They fled from the truth of God. We need to be aware of that. Uh, But we need to expose these evil deeds. See, The believer not only repents of his or her evil deeds, but comes to God to enable him or her to perform good deeds. But he who practices the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought by God. But those that want to do good, those that want to live right, not only do they not run from the light, but they actually come to the light. They want their lives to be exposed. They want their deeds to be manifest. The psalmist said, search my heart, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting life or righteousness. So we come to the light. D, Jesus himself was a doer of good deeds in being the light of the world. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father." For which of them are you stoning me? Jesus did good works. He said, from which of those are you stoning me? Our good deeds are not to be ostentatious, but genuine. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that men may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. It isn't that we are out to ostentatiously 
show ourselves to be righteous. That's what the Pharisees did. But they did it to bring glory to themselves. We're to do it to bring glory to God the Father. So number four, our good deeds bring glory to God. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. Christ's good deeds brought glory to the Father. So the multitude marveled as they saw the dumb speaking, the crippled restored, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. The deeds that Jesus performed brought honor and glory to God. Obviously, if Jesus would have been a thief, a charlatan, a liar, all of those things would have not brought honor and glory to God. But he was a doer of good deeds. He was letting his light shine. Likewise, our good deeds will bring glory to God the Father. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Let your deeds bring honor and glory to God. They are not going to guarantee that you are not going to suffer persecution. It's rather amazing, but it's a a reality that among the crowd of people that were yelling, crucify him, crucify him, were people that had been healed, people that would have eaten of the the manna, or excuse me, the bread that he multiplied, people that would have seen the blind uh, healed, the lame walking, the people that initially came to Jesus, ultimately and finally rejected Jesus. Our good deeds are not going to guarantee that we aren't going to be persecuted. But if we're going to be persecuted, Peter says, let it be for good, not for evil that we have done. Let it be for the right reasons. Conclusion. As Christians, we as Christians, must be careful to maintain good deeds. Paul writes to Timothy, In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds, with purity and doctrine, dignified, sound in speech. And he goes on to depict what those good deeds are. But he says, be an example of good deeds. That's our role, that's our function in society, being an example of good deeds. Our good deeds will be profitable in the fullest sense of that word. This is a trustworthy statement concerning these things. I want you to speak confidently so that those who believe God may be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Three concluding applications. Number one, our good deeds are profitable in preserving the world. Salt. Our good deeds are profitable and bringing God's truth to the world, light. And our good deeds are profitable in bringing honor and glory to God. The best way to be salt and light is to be a doer of good deeds.
This morning I went 15 minutes over. I'm giving you your 15 minutes back tonight. And uh, I appreciate your uh, tolerance this morning. But remember when we have uh, uh, communion, those services are going to be a little longer. But let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your great grace and goodness to us. And Lord, we desire to be a people that uh, do good works. Not because we're earning our salvation, but we want to be salt and light in this world. Lord, may we live our lives in such a way that we have a preserving influence in the workplace, in the school, in the community, in our families. Lord, may evil be hindered simply by our presence. May people feel uncomfortable to do things around us that they know are not right. Lord, may our rebuke, may our example hinder unrighteousness. And at the same time, Lord, may it show forth how to live. May it be an example to our children, to our our grandchildren. May we live in such a way that we become a good example. People that can be admired and looked up to. People who can serve as a role model. Help us, O God, to be light and salt in this earth. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And you are dismissed.